We are only going to be reading one verse out of James this morning as a prelude and an introduction to our study that will be the book, the epistle of James. James chapter 1, verse 1, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes in the dispersion, greetings. Heavenly Father, we come before you, Father, desiring you, desiring to be close to you, Lord. And so, Father, we're so thankful that you've wooed us into your presence, that you saved us from the muck and mire of our sin, that, Father, you justified us, and that, Father, through you we have imputed righteousness and presented faultless before the Father with exceeding joy. For it is by grace that we have been saved, not of anything that we've done. Let us never forget that, Lord. And so, Father, as we come before you this morning, let us be open vessels to be filled by you in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. As I said, uh, James chapter 1, verse 1 is a prelude. I've been uh, praying and, and thinking about, okay, Lord, what do, you, what do you want me to bring after our study of Second Peter concluded? And there was a few sermons that I've gave in the last few weeks that have been burdens upon my heart. And so I thought, okay, Lord, what, what is it that you desire for me to preach on? And he reminded me of our purpose statement in that we are to know him and to make him known. And as if you recall, um, it was almost a year ago that I answered the call to ministry here in being your pastor, and then I took the whole month of October off as recommended by the district superintendent. And I, I did much fishing during that time. No, I didn't. I went to other churches like he asked me to. Um, but when I came back, the first three sermons out the gate were sermons on unity, maturity, and community. And so this morning, in, in, in connection to that, um, I found it very prudent that in order to continue to develop our maturity, our spiritual maturity in Christ, that we should maybe do a study of James, which has it as one of its themes, spiritual maturity. Now, all Scripture is profitable for instruction, reproof, and correction. But James has a direct and unique connection to our purpose statement, in that it does speak to spiritual maturity. And so in keeping with that, that's what our study is going to be. Now this morning, it's more of an introduction, but it's an important introduction into the book of James, as because I believe it's pertinent that we understand the context of James, um, his relationship with Christ, um, the theme of James, the purpose and intent of James, so that when we begin to dive into James, verse by verse, as we do, we have set the context of this epistle. So let's begin our introductions to introducing us to James by understanding who James is. Now, in the Greek, and I'm not going to try to pronounce this. Well, okay, I'll give it a shot. Lakobos. 
Lakobos. Now, if there's a Greek scholar in here, I'd ask that you wouldn't correct me, in but just pull me off to the side. But Lakobos. And that's the word they use for James. And it occurs 42 times in the New Testament with several men bearing the name of James. The first one is James of Zebedee. This is his high school graduation photo. And he first appears in Matthew chapter 4, verse 21, and then several times after that throughout the Synoptic Gospels with Mark possessing the most sightings of his name and activities. James of Zebedee was one of the first disciples called, along with his brother John. And they, along with Peter and his brother Andrew, were fishermen. And we know this because James of Zebedee was called out of his father's boat when he was called in, um, in Matthew chapter 10. Now, this James is also known as James the Younger, right? The Younger. Um, another James that's mentioned in the New Testament is the father of Judas, but not Judas Iscariot, who betrayed Jesus. Now, we don't know much about him other than his name is identified in passing. The third James, or the second James, I'm sorry, is James of Alphaeus. James of Alphaeus. Now, um, he's also mentioned as a disciple in Matthew chapter 10, and um, I lost my place. I should draw little notes. Uh, I know that, I got that, but I... <laughs> but anyway, so we see him, James of Alphaeus, don't know if that's his graduation photo either, but he also is a disciple, uh, in part, and called by Christ. And then there is the father of Judas, not of Iscariot, who betrayed Jesus, um, and he's the father of one of the James, and we don't know too much about him. But then we have James, the brother of Jesus. And I know what happened there. I had the pictures opposite of what I had in my, my notes, so I apologize for that. Um, now here we have the brother of Jesus, and we see him in Matthew chapter 13, verse 55, where we learn the name of Jesus' brothers, with James being the first, Joseph being the second, Simon being the third, and Judas being the fourth, along with he also had sisters. And so Jesus did have brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas, um, and they're very common names, right? And again, that Judas is not Judas Iscariot, although if you guys have brothers, you, yeah, they can be like that at times. Um, now, for just for biblical teaching, right, to get us to understand a little bit about Jesus and James as, as a family, right? We see that there are three theories that talk about how James is in relationship to Jesus that have progressed over the period of church history. And the first one is Epiphanian theory. Now, this theory holds that the brother of Jesus were basically stepbrothers from Joseph's prior marriage. We don't know if that's true. Within the context of our scripture, there are other sources that are not canonical that describe them that way. And they assume that Joseph was a widower, given his age, and therefore they felt like he would have had children, and that was the stepbrothers of Jesus, right? Now, this theory was defended by the bishops of Salmis, who was a Roman Catholic apologetist, and defended this theory for a specific purpose, for the perpetual virginity of Mary. 
which is sound and center of the Marian theology doctrine within the Roman Catholic Church. And basically what it says is that Mary, right, under the Holy Spirit, was found to be with child, who was Jesus, and never had any relationship with Joseph after that. She continued to be a perpetual virgin. And it's defended, like I said, to this day. Another theory, as it relates to James in relationship to Jesus as brother, is the Hieronymus theory. And this originated from Jerome, and it holds that the four so-called brothers and sisters of Jesus were really cousins. Cousins from Clopas and Mary, the sister of Mary, the mother of Jesus. However, when describing the brother of Jesus, Luke does not use the Greek word for cousins, but the word for biological brothers. Now, we know Luke is a historian, and he's extremely accurate in what he writes and how he writes. And so this view didn't receive a lot of support in the early church, and it passed away with time. The final theory that addressed this is called the Helvidian theory. This theory proposed that brothers of Jesus were, in fact, younger brothers of Jesus, with James being the oldest, because in, in Jewish tradition, they always identify the eldest to the youngest. Now, support comes for this from Luke chapter 2, verse 7, where it says, as Luke, again, very specific, very careful on how he writes, very accurate, says, we should be familiar with this as we draw closer to Christmas, and she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And so Luke understood that there was family that came afterwards from Joseph and Mary's union. Now, if Luke wanted to promote that Mary had no other children after Jesus and maintain her perpetual virginity, Luke would have used a Greek word